So particularly for income-oriented investors, we think being in Canada is a, is a great place to be in 2021. And we think, you know, the economic growth story that we've been talking about here as well is going to bode well for Canada in general. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. G7 countries continued their meetings this week, taking a collaborative stance against China. But the political maneuvering failed to rattle investors who were more focused on inflation, interest rates, and the ongoing economic reopening. The big question now is, what sectors and themes will benefit most from a return to normalcy? In today's episode, Chris McKinney and your host, Mark Rays, explore multiple ways to build the trade, including through dividends, low volatility, and market cap exposures. Before we hear from Mark and Chris, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. All right, Chris, we've had G7 meetings happening this week with a significant amount of focus on China. Can you give us your comments on if there are any implications for markets? And using our ZEM Emerging Market ETF, uh, what's the exposure now to China as the dominant country? And how has that market been evolving towards a domestic economy? Can you give us a tie-in with your expectations for ZEM for the remainder of the year, considering how flat returns have been so far? Thanks. Certainly. And, you know, we did see uh, in the G7 meetings, as you mentioned, a bit of a focus on China. And I think it's a result uh, really of, you know, the G7 leaders being a bit more collaborative um, this time around than what we've seen in recent years. I think recent years, you know, you might have called it a bit more combative, whereas, again, this year a bit more collaborative uh, in terms of the G7 leaders, what their thoughts are on the global economy and, and steps forward in general, really, including um, as it relates to China. Um, but as for any immediate you know, impact to markets, I don't really think um, there's anything significant uh, that comes out of the G7 with an immediate impact uh, on equity markets. And in fact, um, if you look at China-related equities, um, if anything, they rallied um, during the, the G7 meetings. And so you know, I think it'll take some time for these things to play out to see if there is any impact at all. Um, you know, the G7 did announce um, a, a counter to giant China's famous uh, Belt and Road Initiative, where they, um, you know, help to build uh, infrastructure and, and lend, lending to build infrastructure to, to developing economies. And so you, you, you see a counter there. And really, the goal of this is political influence more than, than impact on markets. So, um, you know, if, if the G7 is successful in some of these initiatives, that might reduce China's overall um, long-term growth and certainly their political influence over the long-term globally. Uh, but I, I don't think you'll see any immediate impact um, to, to any Chinese equities or any other related equities. Um, in, in terms of where China is, China's place within the emerging markets landscape and within ZEM, our emerging markets ETF in particular, it is about one-third of the exposure in, in that uh, ETF and in the emerging markets China being the second largest global economy, um, certainly on a market cap basis, takes up a significant amount of the overall 
uh, EM exposure. And, you know, continuing to grow, and, and again, that's why it's the second largest and really dominates that EM index. Um, a lot of that growth has come, as you mentioned, from the domestic market, um, from the domestic economy growing over time. Um, and to give you an idea of, of how that's trended over time, you know, if you take a look back at exports uh, as a percent of China's GDP, you know, about 10 years ago, it was probably around 25% of, of GDP was, was exports. So China you know, relying on other countries and other economies um, to grow. And that's trended down to about 17, 18% today. Uh, so as you can see, slowly um, coming down over time as the domestic economy comes a little bit more important to China's overall growth expectations and, and overall economy. Um, however, you know, that has bottomed out over the last couple of years. So I, I don't know how much further that has to go. Um, just as an example or as a comparative, you know, the U.S. is probably around 13% of GDP is their exports. Um, so China being at 17%, not too much higher than the U.S. And Canada um, is actually over 30%. So Canada very reliant on exports and on, on other economies for, um, for our economic growth. And so, um, you know, China with that very strong domestic economy, a very important driver of growth for them. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, returns so far this year out of emerging markets and out of China specifically as well, generally pretty flat. You know, they did start the year fairly strong and we did see a little bit of a sell-off earlier in the year, but that seems to have bottomed out uh, in terms of that sell-off, which is trended sort of sideways over the last couple months here. Um, and so, you know, China and emerging markets, that story really is a story of global economic growth. And if you think we're going to have significant growth. You know, emerging markets make sense as, as, a, as a place to be. Looking, just looking at IMF numbers um, for, you know, projected global um, economic growth, we're seeing about 6% expected for the global economy to grow in 2021, and then another 4.4% in 2022. Um, and, of course, to no one's surprise, um, emerging markets, are expected to be a little bit higher than that. So about 6.7 this year and 5% next year, um, with China in particular um, at 8.4 and 5.6. So very, very strong expected growth numbers coming out of China um, for this year and for next year. And of course, even for 2020, China was the only uh, major economy that did show economic growth rather than contraction um, because of the COVID-19 shutdowns. Um, again, speaking to China's domestic economy and the importance of that for their own growth, um, you know, able to generate positive economic growth in a year when most major economies were shut down. Um, so if you are looking for places for, for growth over the next couple of years, China and the emerging markets, um, you know, certainly are, are expected to lead the way, um, you know, with a little bit of choppiness, of course, uh, in there, um, tending to be a little bit more volatile than, than the developed markets are. Um, and just one other comment there, um, just looking at the broader uh, EM market, India as well, another 10% of that emerging markets index is actually expected to grow at 125 and 6.9% over the next two years. So very, very strong economic growth numbers expected out of India, um, out of China, and again, out of the emerging markets in general. So we think it's a very good spot to be for the next couple of years as economies reopen, as global economic growth uh, ramps back up. Um, emerging markets are expected to be a significant portion of that. Great. Thanks for that update, Chris. Now let's switch gears to Canada, where advisors, I would say, have been pleasantly surprised that ZWC, our covered call Canada ETF, 
has kept pace with the strong returns year to date in the Canadian market. Now, when we think about the covered call overlay and how it essentially limits returns on, on securities where you've written, what would you point to as equalizing return drivers compared to the market? And how does this look going forward? Thanks. Sure. And as you say, you know, we've seen pretty strong growth coming out of Canada um, so far in 2021. And it's good to see the covered call strategy, like said, WC, actually keeping pace with that, um, given, given that trade-off between growth and, and uh, income generation that the covered calls tend to make. Um, but what we've seen here is really the sectors that ZWC is exposed to doing uh, fairly well um, and, and even better than, than what the broad uh, market is doing here. As a reminder, ZWC is tilted towards those dividend-paying companies, those dividend-growing companies, the cash-generative companies that, are, that make up the Canadian market. Um, and so, you know, we did see those sort of stocks lag a little bit in 2020. Um, that really did start to change with vaccine announcements in November. Um, and we really started to see a, a, a rotation in the market. Um, and in particular, in 2021, we've seen that play out, particularly in Canada with the financials um, and, and the banks as, um, you know, yield curves start to steepen. That tends to do uh, bode well for financials and banks in general. Um, and so, you know, those sector exposures that, that ZWC has, um, again, is playing to its favor. So, you know, it's about 40% exposed to the financial sector in Canada versus about 30, 31 for the broad market index. So a nice overweight to the financial sector there. Again, that has been performing very, very well so far in 2021. As well, a, a healthy, I would say, a healthy exposure to energy at 15%. Um, you know, a little bit of an overweight versus the, uh, the broad market there as well. And of course, you know, energy performing very well. We've seen oil now sitting at over $70, about $72 now. Um, the highest it's been since 2018, you know, it was uh, over $70 for, for a couple months in 2018. And before that, um, it, you have to go all the way back to 2014 when the, the price was coming back down through from $100. Um, that was the last time we saw oil this high. So, um, very, very um, strong fundamentals in the in the energy market here in Canada, and again, a nice weight in ZWC to the energy uh, market. And then the other thing is that um, you know zero percent exposure to the IT sector, technology, um, and you know we've seen returns from this sector start to moderate a little bit uh, so far in 2021. Uh, certainly still positive, but just not as strong as what some of those other sectors have been. And by the way, that actually makes up 10 percent. Uh, of the broad market index now. So having 0% um, in ZWC is just has been another another tailwind in terms of how that uh, sector makeup, that sector mix has, has benefited ZWC. And of course, um, you know, offering all of this with an overall distribution yield of about 7% for income-oriented investors, um, you know, we think ZWC is going to continue to uh, be able to generate that yield mostly through dividends and then also through that covered call option overlay. Um, so very, very um, you know, tax efficient cash flow coming out of this portfolio. We think that's going to continue throughout the rest of the year. And we think, you know, the, the economic growth story that we've been talking about here as well is going to bode well for Canada in general, including that energy sector, including the financials. Um, you know, do we see oil going too much higher from here? Um, you know, maybe it gets into the 80s, but I think really what it's more about is that we see a, a strong bid for oil and we don't we don't see a significant sell-off coming anytime soon. So we think the energy sector can continue to, to do fairly well here for, for the foreseeable future. Um, so 
particularly for income-oriented investors. We think um, being in Canada is a, is a great place to be in 2021. And then, of course, um, with that covered call overlay with those dividends, that 7% distribution yield for income-oriented investors is a great, uh, a great place to be as well. Great. Thanks for that, Chris. And for me, when I look at it, you know, there's always going to be different underlying drivers within the portfolio compared to the market. But the fact of the call strategy that you're writing out of the money, that you're writing on half the portfolio, that really allows you to capture growth when, when the market does go. And we're certainly seeing that this year. So uh, a nice proof point to the effectiveness of, of the strategy that you're running. Now, let's stay with Canada, where we saw one of our flagship ETFs, ZLB, our low volatility Canada ETF, underperformed the strong market in 2020. This year, it's certainly a different story. Uh, where, again, that'll be as largely kept up to the market. Now, you talked a bit about uh, sectors with with the covered call, uh, but if you look at ZLB, what is different this year, and does it signal a return to a more factor-balanced market uh, condition? Thanks. Yeah, I think it does, and, uh, you know, again, really that, that sector rotation, that factor rotation that started in, in November really started to even things out for the market overall. Um, but, you know, in terms of ZLB specifically, um, you know, we, we have seen some of the, the return drivers change. Uh, again, we talked about IT already, and ZLB, again, very, very low exposure, I think zero to, to IT also, um, again, that has started to moderate, I, I think, you know, I think it's really important, though, to state that IT is still providing positive returns in 2021, and IT in Canada in particular, um, but just not as strong as some of those other sectors. And so not having IT exposure has actually benefited from a relative perspective. Um, you know, some of the other, again, uh, sector differences here that, that are starting to work for ZLB, you know, the low vault has a decent exposure to REITs, actually, in real estate sector, about 10%, 9 10%. Um, and that's really started to uh, to perform well in 2021 as well. And a lot of uh, analysts think this is actually a very strong growth area as the real estate market um, going forward. And I think there's actually one other important thing to, to realize, particularly in Canada, the low vol factor, but particularly the low vol factor in Canada. If you look at the returns from 2020 from the broad market, um, low vol didn't really outperform or didn't really underperform the market in 2020. What it really underperformed was just IT. So IT, obviously, is a very strong uh, technology, a very strong uh, growth sector in 2020. And in Canada, that's a very concentrated sector. You're talking about three or four companies in particular um, that did very, very well in 2020. If you strip that sector out of the broad market, ZLB be actually outperformed the broad market in 2020. Of course, you, you can't do that, um, but it's just to show that the, the growth um, in 2020 was really a very narrowly led growth uh, market, particularly in Canada anyway. Um, and so when you're looking at did you outperform or underperform the broad market, really what you're talking about was that technology sector in 2020. And so as we've seen that really, um, you know, again, moderate the returns from that sector, moderate. Um, you know, ZLB has continued to has, has started to, to to pick up uh, on on a relative basis. And again, I think if you look at the the history of ZLB of the low vol factor in particular, but again, particularly in Canada, you know, we've got about 10 years of of live data and another 20 years or so of, of back tested data on the low vol strategy that we run. 
And, you know, really there are very few years in which the low vol strategy um, significantly underperforms the broad market. Um, and, and generally that signals a, a very good buying opportunity. And so that, I think that's what we saw in 2020 where low vol did underperform the broad market um, in what was pretty much a down year overall. Um, and, and we're seeing that sort of really start to snap back this year. You know, Canada tends to be a more cyclically oriented economy. Um, and even though we're, we're benefiting from that overall, you know, the low vol factor within Canada also benefits from that. And so we think, um, you know, again, we've seen technology moderate, that growth-oriented strategy moderate. We've seen some of those uh, value-oriented sectors and those dividend-oriented sectors that we were talking about with ZWC start to perform well. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, your question is right, that we are starting to see a little bit more balance in terms of the factors and what's driving markets and, and what's going to be driving them going forward. You know, we saw one extreme last year. We saw a little bit of an extreme to catch up you know, starting this year um, and now, you know, going forward over the next year or two, I think you could see a little bit more balance in terms of what's been driving the markets, particularly in Canada. Great. Thanks for that, Chris. That certainly bodes well for, for ZLB. And I know uh, a lot of advisors out there like it for the, the lower risk profile. So good to see it capturing the growth this year as well. You are listening to Views from the Desk, a weekly edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. If you're enjoying today's discussion, we encourage you to check out our deep dive episodes where we take you under the hood of BMO GAM's product suite. Tune in to episode 75 in the same podcast series where we take a deeper look at genomics-focused ETFs, including the BMO MSCI Genomic Innovation Index ETF, ticker ZGEN. Learn how this new frontier in healthcare can deliver long-term benefits for growth-oriented investors. Let's turn to the U.S., uh, where we still see small cap returns with our ZSML outpacing the mid and large cap stocks. For advisors that have really benefited from this growth trade as an overweight to small cap, at what point would you look to move up the cap spectrum? Thanks. And certainly investors in the small cap space have, um, have really benefited from that strong growth. Again, this is another story that really started around November with those vaccine announcements um, and then the look forward to potential reopening of economies. Um, small caps really, really benefiting um, significantly from that. You know, you mentioned ZSML, um, our U.S. small cap ETF. ZMID, MID, is, is another one. That's obviously the mid cap that, is, that has performed fairly, fairly well also. Um, uh, and then ZSP, you know, completing that family, really representing the S&P 500 and the large caps, having a decent return, you know, almost 20% since uh, the end of October of last year, um, but still, you know, less than half of what the small caps have given us. And so, you know, small caps really, really leveraged to that growth story and to that reopening trade and that domestically oriented um, uh, consumption coming back uh, in the economy. And so, you know, as you mentioned, you know, when do you start to take a little bit of that off the table? When do you start to move back up the cap spectrum? Um, and really, the, the answer would be, uh, you know, you start to move back up when you're, when you're getting concerned about future economic growth, when you're starting to think, okay, not only is growth slowing down, but it's really going to start to, you know, potentially flatten out. And I don't think we're there yet. Um, you know, looking at, again, going back to GDP uh, expectations for the next couple of years, 
Uh, you know, the U.S. about 6.4% in 2021 and 3.5% in 2022. So, um, you know, if you look at the next two years, um, that's pretty much in line with um, developed markets in general, you know, a little bit higher uh, this year and a little bit less next year. But overall, pretty much in line with um, the growth expectations for developed markets. So there's still a, a strong argument to be made for staying in that small cap and even that mid cap spectrum uh, part of the market. Um, and even with that slowing down in 2022, you know, 3.5% growth, um, advanced economies overall 3.6, so very much in line. Uh, while that does represent a slowdown from 2021, that's still an above trend number. You know, if you look at the growth we were getting uh, pre-COVID, 2019, 2018, 2017, um, you know, you're talking in the 2% range um, or potentially even less. So, you know, that 3.5% number um, really, while, while declining significantly from 2021, that's, this is sort of a bounce back year, um, still an above trend number. And so we think there's still a lot of growth out there and there's a lot of room for small caps and mid caps to still benefit from that. Um, you know, once we get beyond 2022, I think a 3.5% growth rate is going to be hard to sustain going forward. Um, so the question is, when does that, you know, start to get priced into markets? Is it, is it the end of 2022? Is it mid-2022? Um, you know, obviously the market's a forward-looking mechanism. And so, you know, again, I think we have a lot of runway here still to enjoy some economic growth and small caps and mid caps should benefit from that. Um, but starting to look into next year, um, as we start to turn the page um, and growth becomes a bit more clear in terms of what it might be within 2022 and even starting to look at 2023, then you have to start to um, think about, okay, do I want to start moving back up the cap spectrum? Do I want a little a bit more safety in my portfolio? Um, and not just, um, you know, be all leveraged to, to, to global growth because it's certainly going to start to slow down after 2022. Um, uh, the question is to what degree and then, of course, when does that start to get priced in? So I think you got a little bit of time here, but um, obviously something to, uh, to just keep your eyes on. Great. Thanks for that, Chris. And certainly advisors that have been in that trade have enjoyed it to date. So perhaps not looking to uh, trade away, but certainly keeping an eye on the horizon. So with that, I would like to check if there are any questions on the line for Chris. Good morning. Uh, thanks for all the insights. Really appreciate it there. Uh, I was looking to see for the current markets if you'd be able to provide an update on your covered call metrics. I just wanted to get a better understanding of the uh, current trade-offs. Sure. And what, what we've seen really in the last couple months um, in the covered call space, in the option space, um, and in the volatility space in general is, um, you know, we've really started to see a normalization of that market. Uh, we saw very, very high volatility, obviously, um, at the beginning of last year. And that really stuck with the market through most of 2020, very elevated volatility, um, which allowed us in our covered call strategies to write far out of the money, capture a lot of growth and still capture a lot of premium. Um, and that really persisted really into early 2021 here. And what we've seen in the last, call it two, uh, two three months or so, is a, is a bit more normalization of that. So we're we're starting to return back to those, um, you know, pre-COVID days in terms of the volatility metrics that we're seeing, in terms of the out of the moneyness of our options and and the the yield that we're generating. You know, we're we're looking at um, you know the ZWC. We were talking about that a little bit earlier. Um, you know, the, the overall yield on that portfolio is right around 7%, which is, again, is 
between dividends and option premiums, which is really very similar to where it was uh, pre-COVID. So we're, again, starting to see a very similar, um, you know, construct in terms of moneyness. You know, we're still a little bit farther out of the money than we have been on average there, about 7% out of the money as well. Um, you know, historically, you could probably expect that to be, um, you know, on a broad on a broad uh, fund about 5% and on some of our sector funds a little bit lower. Um, you know, Canadian banks, for example, um, tend to be about 3 to 5% out of the money. We're still about, um, you know, 5% there. So, um, you know, there is still some normalization to be done, but uh, we are seeing a return uh uh, to to those those pre-COVID days in terms of those volatility metrics, um, and you know that's obviously relatively good for the market. Should be good for these strategies as well because that means calmer markets, and that's really where covered call strategies perform the best is in those calm markets that maybe slowly trend sideways or, or slightly up. That's really the ideal scenario for for covered call strategies. And so I think normalizing um, that whole environment. Um, uh, is going to be good for those strategies and, and should be lead to more consistent returns going forward. Perfect. Thank you. Yes. Good morning. Uh, we've noticed that utilities are looking up again. You know, ZUT is now above April and trending back up to its December numbers before interest rate movements. I'm just curious, how do you account for the strength in utilities? Thank you. Sure, there's a couple of things there, and you know, really, it's um, obviously um, exposed to movements in in the yield curve, in interest rates. You know, utilities probably one of the most interest rate sensitive equity sectors, um, and so when we saw rates moving quickly um, to start this year, you know, utilities sold off uh, on the face of that. But what I would say more importantly about utility stocks is not necessarily the level of interest rates but more about how quickly they're moving, right? So if interest rates slowly trend in one direction or the other, um, there's not too much impact on utilities. It's when you get a significant movement up, which we saw earlier in the year, about 100 basis points uh, in the 10-year, um, that that can affect the utilities. And so what's happened since then is there's been a little bit of a moderation. Um, you know, rates have come off their highs a little bit. Those inflation expectations have slowed down a little bit. Um, you know, we have a Fed meeting um, later today, and so we'll see if that changes the market's outlook for inflation at all or not. Um, but that outlook has moderated somewhat, and that's actually benefited utilities by having those interest rates moderate a little bit. Again, still moving, but in a slower, in a smaller range. Um, that's benefited the utilities. Of course, the oil price also um, is beneficial to utilities and those energy-related pipelines and, and, the, and those sort of stocks. And so you've seen a nice little rally on the back of that. Um, we'll see if that continues again based on uh, what, what future uh, inflation expectations do. Um, but we have seen that moderate somewhat recently, and that's, that's led to a rebound in, in ZUT. That's great. Thank you so much. Okay, not hearing anything further. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today. Apologies for the technical mess up, mess, mess up at the beginning, but uh, thankfully we recovered. Uh, thanks, of course, to Chris McKaney for joining us today. Really appreciate your insights covering a lot of the equity markets, uh, giving us update on a few key portfolios and really explaining uh, some of that growth in the marketplace. Much appreciated. So with that, I just want to thank everyone one last time and have a great day.
Thank you to Chris McKinney and Mark Rays for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard valuable strategies for a reopening trade from BMO's Emerging Markets ETF, ticker ZEM, to ZWC for Canadian High Dividend Earners, ZLB for Low Volatility Stocks, and ZSML for U.S. Small Cap Equities. Our experts also took audience questions on covered calls and utilities, two key areas of interest in the current market. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. That's bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.